If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. My pleasure to be with you. Thanks for joining us on a Redemption Thursday. Hope this finds you doing well. I hope this finds you outside. If you live in Tallahassee, really anywhere in the southeast it would seem, I'm sure there's some places that that doesn't hold true, but man, there you go, football wins right when we needed you. Had to have it, to be honest with you. The football wins said, we're here, Jeff. We made it. Got to have something to get you outdoors. Feeling good about going to a football game? Even then, I don't know. Over under 45,000. Over under 45,000 over at uh, Doak Campbell Stadium for Saturday's game. Don't forget, by the way, speaking of Saturday's game, Tallahassee Game Day with yours truly uh, will be on the air 9 a.m. on Saturday for you. I'm also going to be doing the post game, filling in for T. Lizzie. Uh, for the post-game call-in show on War Chant TV. So we'd invite you to do that as well. So I've got pre-game and post-game duties for Saturday's game. That would be a good time for Florida State to win said game, is when I have to take over doing both uh, solo. Oh, I guess I'm not solo. I'm going to be with Gene uh, for that uh, for that second game, uh, for that second duty uh, that I described, but uh, it'd be nice to take some calls that have something to say about uh, a victory. Hey, how about that? Look at this, guys. Ding, 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 ding. Perhaps. Perhaps uh, it's this weekend. Again, that number, really low, really low. I keep, yeah, You're staring at it in disbelief. You keep saying, what are we doing? Somebody noted that I stayed away from it this week. You know what? That was a simple oversight. I forgot to, to include our game. That should be the 10th game. Uh, and I, you know, it's weird. I, you know, last week I took Florida State to beat Wake Forest, and they get beat like a drum. I, I do think there are two critical moments in that game that don't go Florida State's way. Now they didn't do anything to help themselves, and when you go back and watch that game, you see enough to to understand why it got out of hand and and why Florida State likely wouldn't have won the game, even if the two. Really bad breaks hadn't gone against them. They likely would not have won the game. But I I knew on that Monday that what I couldn't do after six turnovers 
and looking ill-prepared and kind of having a willy-nilly game plan. Well, I knew I couldn't come in and solely focus on those two horrific calls. But when you're a bad team, and it's true, and also Florida State does not get the benefit of the doubt because they have played undisciplined. They have been a, a penalty-ridden team. Now, a, a couple of things. I've said this before. There's ample evidence to this, too. You can just look this up. This is not an opinion. This is a factual statement. Penalties do not directly correlate with winning and losing. There are teams who, who have, I mean, Wake had way more penalties, or not way more, but more penalties than Florida State had in this game, and they won comfortably. So I, I do think that you, you can, and by the way, really elite teams with incredible athleticism oftentimes get called for more penalties than their opponents. It's seemingly a little bit of human nature that is involved with officials uh, where they, they almost feel like they have to call the team that is athletically superior closely, a little bit more closely than they do the one that is hanging on for dear life. For years, we would see this with Florida State, with Miami, and other schools that had a, a, a distinct advantage. That said, when your margin for error is so small in your Florida State, you don't want to add to the reasons why you're behind the chains because there are going to be physical reasons for that play in and play out, series in and series out. You don't have to add to it by doing dumb things. And I think also the types of penalties you commit goes a long way with having that sear into the memory in minds of Florida State fans or fan bases in general. If you have a lot of if misalignment penalties, guys can't get lined up right, that immediately leads to, and understandably so, Questions of coaching. What are you doing at practice? If you have a lot of those, you're going to get that. If you have aggression penalties where it's a borderline call, it's a bang-bang play, and the ref decides that the hit was illegal or unnecessary, I think people can live with that. I think people can live with those kinds of penalties, penalties of aggression. They get really miffed and really bothered when it's the very basic stuff. It's a whole lot of uh, too many men uh, on the line of scrimmage, uh, man downfield on a pass play, can't get lined up right, delay of games, things like that. That bothers people. So moving forward and forward for Florida State, yes, you want to – obviously it's better to not commit as many penalties uh, as it, you, you want to commit less than your opponent. That'd be great. That'd be great. That, not, not always the most important thing to winning and losing. But this is not a team that has an awful lot in the way of margin for error. What you want to now start to see. You and I were talking about this during the break. Because this week has been a theme for me about, okay, listen, we've accepted where we're at. This is not good. Nobody wants to be here. This sucks. Residing here without a question is very, very uh, difficult, almost untenable. But that's the reality. So you just accept that and you move forward. And what do you have to see? Well, cogent game planning obviously built around what few difference makers you have, consistency, and then from there, better performances. They may not always lead to a win because in some cases you're just straight up outgunned. I mean, you're outgunned against Florida. You're outgunned against Clemson. You're you're not going to win those games, even if you're incredibly uh, efficient and you don't commit any penalties. You're still not winning those games. But it'd be nice to see it. It's still evidence of growth. It's still signs that you're getting better. It's still something to latch on to to say, see, now here's growth. This is working. This is connecting. They're, They're improving. That's what you're looking for week to week. And I hate that that's the, I mean, that's a low ass part. Low ass bar to a city. Like, just show me evidence, signs that you can be uh, fundamentally sound. 
Yeah. I, I think I, I do think that obviously this is a winnable game. That number, and this is what started this diatribe for me. What does that number tell you? What what is what is Vegas saying to you? I mean, what, Vegas is telling you that they don't trust Louisville either. That they haven't shown any form of consistency either. What we see is the latest evidence, and it concerns us because we looked awful against Wake, and we saw the night we saw Louisville beat UCF. And there's this thought that UCF is good. I don't think they are. There's this thought that you know because again, you know, I'm not a Gus Malzahn guy, and I think he's going to take that program down, not up. That but when you saw that, you went, oh well, great, we're not better than UCF, which is true, uh, and they beat. UCF. UCF, and so we do that thing, right? Oh, well, there you go. They beat them, so they'll beat us. Well, we'll see. Louisville's not real good at tackling. Numbers bear that out. They don't tackle very well. Miami's worse currently if you look at those statistics, the advanced metrics. But but Louisville's not good. They miss a lot of tackles. Uh, and they have a wildly inconsistent quarterback, kind of a boomer bust kind of guy. So they're taking that show on the road against a desperate team. Is this what Vegas is looking at? I don't know. I'm trying to make the story. Tell me the story of that line being two. One and a half, two and a half. It's kind of fluctuated between those numbers. That's amazing to me. I can't. I, I'm having a hard time figuring that out, to be honest with you. Most people would tell you, and I know last week when we found out, when we found out that, actually, Gregory, we disagree. I don't think UCF wouldn't put 50 on FSU. I don't think that's true. I don't think UCF's offensive line would dominate Florida State's defensive line, so therefore they'd struggle to get to 50. Also, Gus sucks. Um, Now, back to this. Because Louisville's defense is terrible, too, by the way. And they put 35 on Louisville's defense. Not 50, 35. Going back to... My point here, I, I, that's the only thing I can see that they're looking at for this game. Now, Florida State's not a good team, um, without question. And I feel uncomfortable. But a lot of people saw the number last week against Wake and said, let's find out if Marie Smith is playing. If he's not playing, take Wake all day long. And then, so it's almost like a game time thing. You're just sitting there like, do they got their linemen back? Do they have their linemen back? Because they're not really competitive if they don't. It makes a world of difference. All right, here we go. Redemption Thursday wagers. Flash them up for everybody who didn't get to hear them in the first hour. Here comes Virginia. Give me the Who's minus four against Wake. Give me Missouri minus a point and a half against Boston College. UCLA minus five against Stanford. Michigan State minus five against Nebraska. Kentucky minus four and a half against South Carolina. Kansas State plus five and a half against Oklahoma State. Going to do... a little uh, money line action on that K-State game. Just just side note there. Utah State plus 9.5 against Boise State. And the NFL with two over-unders here. Washington and Buffalo under 46. Um, and Bucks rams over 55. There is our look. Hmm. I'm going to let that simmer. I feel, bit, I feel good about those games. You know, it's weird. This is a week that uh, if you go across the country and and the people that talk about wagering, which is what we do on Redemption Thursdays, they tell you this is a week to run. This is a week to to stay away. That there are so many games that just you can't get a feel for. But I will also tell you this. If by chance you end up uh, having a good week on the weeks where people are telling you to run and the house money continues to roll, you can get crazy next week. 
You can get crazy next week. I uh, spoke of this last hour going to read a different quote because it is that kind of uplifting. Um, when, when talking about A.J. Duffy and other recruits commenting that um, how they're going to stick to being uh, 2022, class of 2022, doesn't matter the record, they want to be part of the change, those kinds of things. That's fun for us to read. That's stuff that's fun for us to embrace. It's all the kind of stuff that Florida State fans want to hear. Now, I know we do so cautiously optimistic because with each passing performance and loss, uh, perhaps those kids, no matter how firm their commitment seems to be, begin to waver. Admittedly, you could understand how it could happen. Let's hope that it doesn't. Let's hope that certainly that staff has done a good job. I was asked this question, how many wins... Do you think this coaching staff suggested to the players they would be able to see uh, because without them, uh, you know, involved in a mass exodus, they had to have been honest with them? Well, let me say that. Um, I think that uh, they probably didn't give a win total. I think they likely didn't give a win total. I think they probably uh, said, look, you know, obviously, you can playing time can be that's uh, a motivator. These kids, that's a motivator. But in addition to that, uh, I think you stay away from broad proclamations about wins. I just think you avoid the conversation because I don't think it comes up. Recruits aren't asking coaches how many games do you think you're going to win. That's not a question a recruit is asking. They'll watch the games with their own eyes. They're going to decipher whether or not they think this is a coaching staff that is giving kids an opportunity to succeed. They're going to figure out whether or not it's a place they can go and play and further their career. Does it give them a chance? Yeah, they want to win games. They'd love an opportunity to win a national championship. Who doesn't? But guys go all over the country, and certainly most teams don't have a chance to win the national championship. So there have to be many other factors why you say yes to a school beyond, hey, I think they're going to win 12 games. At Alabama, you might be able to promise that you're going to get a leg- Your evidence suggests that you'll have a real good chance to play for and win a national championship if you go to Alabama. The finite few that even get recruited by Alabama already know that. Even in that conversation, it doesn't come up because they know that. It's Alabama. It's Ohio State. It's Clemson. It's whatever. When you're the top dog, you don't have to sell wins. The evidence is overwhelming. But I also think when you're trying to build back up, the evidence of playing time being available if you're a top-level player and you're looking at a roster, that too is self-evident. So it's just never going to come up how many wins. It will matter that you not look ill-prepared. That, that will matter, that you not look ill-prepared, because I think that would be a deterrent. I think that if you, con- if you continue to see or if what you thought you saw were ill-prepared teams – insufficiently coached. Again, you can lose games. You can lose. There are lots of ways to lose games, and those losses elicit emotion and response. But if a team plays hard and never quits, although that is the minimum effort, we've seen plenty of teams quit. If a team plays hard and looks prepared, but just isn't good enough, maybe recruits don't waver. Maybe a lot of these kids are locked in. If you look ill-prepared and it looks haphazard and scattershot, you're in trouble. I think more than anything else, more than the results of the games. Because that's one thing you can guarantee didn't come up. These coaches aren't going in there saying, I can't coach these kids up. I can't get a team prepared. Right? Yeah. So if you put that out on the field, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many games you win. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Uh, I, you no, know, I'm with you. It's... It, <laughs> 
I'm with you. I will. Uh, hmm. I'm going to put the well. Now I, I will, and maybe we'll do this for the pregame show on Saturday. It's probably a better forum for it. I, I'm, I'm going to start putting markers in place for things that we need to see moving forward. Things that recruits will be looking at, but also, most importantly, things that the fan base and those that support Florida State Athletics need to see to maybe regain, uh, I guess, looking at it from the coach's standpoint, from, from the coaching staff standpoint, maybe beginning just ever so slightly to regain some trust that has been lost up to this point. Because there's no doubt, big picture, you know, fans will believe it when they see it. They already have ample evidence that things aren't going well. The assumption is, yeah, these guys aren't going to be able to get it done. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know. Certainly there's cause for concern. Not saying there isn't. But you can't just, I mean, there are nine games left. Those nine games have to be filled with moments. And they can't all be negative. They have to be filled with moments where people go, okay, all right, lost by 14 today, that sucks, getting tired of losing. But this, this, and this happen, and that's evidence that they're getting better as the weeks go on. There have been plenty of bad teams that towards the end of a season you saw evidence. I was thinking about that, that Dolphins team a couple years ago. We were talking about Flores, right? We were like, that's a good coach. That team's still fighting. Look at them. Remember that? We, like, the Dolphins would lose in, in, most every week, and you'd be like, those sons of bitches are fighting. That was the year that they were allegedly tanking and they were fighting. Like they, the, the franchise had handcuffed them from being able to win games, and those guys fought like hell. That's, that's not only something you hope to see and want to see, that's something that's inspiring. That when, you, when you recognize it, when you see it in a team where they're completely outmanned, they're not good enough to do this, this, and this, but, man, they don't care, and they play with each other and for each other, and they fight, that's the stuff that is uplifting. That's... It's all you have when you're not good. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I don't know how many times you read stories about or you've thought about, well, I mean, you know, you think about Apple and other mega companies, Google, things like that. And invariably you read stories about the inventors the people who started said companies, the, the men and women who, who began these initial projects and then saw them build into uh, the biggest, most successful, you know, Bezos with Amazon, whatever you, you want to look at, right? You can look at Microsoft, whatever. And every time I read those stories about the people who opted out before they, were, before they made it big, before they became publicly traded, before they became what we all know them to be, just sort of omnipresent aspects of our life, things that everybody uses around the world. And I always wonder that those people afterwards, when they, when they go on with their lives, like how often do they think about it? How often does it, does it, you know, Pete Best, the drummer for the Beatles that wasn't. I mean, that's a toughie. 
That's a toughie. I'm sure he's happy for Ringo. But but that had to have been like, really? Okay. Well, you know the story about the, the Apple guy, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Like $1,500 for yeah. 10%? Yeah. Mm. Selling off shares for you. Mm. I'm opting out, guys. Oh, well, there are countless. Yeah, countless stories like that. Usually, a lot of the fun ones are with bands. A lot of, like, you know, the original drummer, the original guitarist, the original, you know, whomever it might be. It's just like, because you tour tireless, tirelessly, you, you, it's a tough life if you're not known. I mean, you're lugging your own equipment, you're driving in a stinky, sorry van with a bunch of other dudes across the country, and you're trying to get your music out there. Uh, you get stiffed by promoters and bar owners and, you know, think breaks down on the side of the road and you're stuck in middle of nowhere for a week till you can scrape up enough money to get a new tire or something ridiculous. You know, you hear these stories and oftentimes, and especially if guys are like at a point in their life where they're maybe late 20s and they've been doing this for 10 years since they were 18 and they meet a girl and they're thinking about a life that has a little bit more security. It gives them an opportunity to maybe settle down and have a home. Maybe even be a father or a mother or whatever it might be, right? So those stories I'm fascinated by. And I always, we all kind of Google at, uh, uh, you know, ogle at the uh, the amount of money that's left behind. This is what they would have been worth had they stuck it out as a founder of such and such. So I read this story today, and this is not that. But it is still a number. It is still a sizable number, and one might think a bit of a mistake. Now, he ain't hurting for money and has had an incredible career and will never look back with large amounts of regret, I don't suppose. But John Elway, uh, obviously, most famously, uh, Denver Broncos Super Bowl winning quarterback, he is uh, apparently interested in becoming a part of a, a, an ownership group looking to purchase the team, the Broncos, that is, when they, when they hit the market. He wants, to, he wants to be part of that group. Along with Peyton Manning, there are two football names that are currently linked to the sale of the team. Uh, they are linked with other uh, super rich, high-profile people like Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. Also, uh, Steve Ballmer owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, interested in, in perhaps uh, broadening the portfolio, owning the Denver Broncos. Uh, but here you go. When Elway retired in 1998 following a Super Bowl victory, the Broncos were desperate to keep him as part of the fabric of the organization. They, they, he, was, he was saying goodbye, I'm out of here, all that good stuff. They, what they did was they made him an offer. $36 million in exchange for 20% of the team. Had he taken that offer, his stake in the team now would be worth, got to guess? He said no. 20% of $300 million. Oh, buddy. A bit more than that. $750 million had he said yes. They wanted him to stay around, be part of the organization, stick about. That is a $750 million mistake. You'd more than have the money to take over 
even hostily, the rest of it, if you wanted to become the uh, the sole owner, uh, he's now trying to buy in uh, buy in at a more inflated price. Uh, that is so. If you look back at thirty six million dollars at that time, um, it, it, you know it, during his career, for example, Elway only made forty five million dollars. So now we hear that amount and we think, well, that's no money. But if if he had taken thirty six million dollars plus that percentage of the ownership, I mean, he would have made in one moment nearly as much as he had made for the entirety of his career, and then obviously what that would have become seven hundred and fifty million dollars is what that would have become. But this is not like those other guys. Just decide now. He's doing okay. He's not hurting. He's doing all right. The way this segment started, I thought you were about to tell me that John Elway was asked to be like a drummer for Pearl Jam or something. <laughs> I was waiting to see what band you were about to say. What weird thing? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about, uh, guys, it, it blows me away. These stories are great. You can fall down this rabbit hole. You can you can do this. There are too many to name where so-and-so was once a part of an investment team that did this and this, which became dot, 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 and you wait for it. Oh, the big reveal. Oh, he would have been worth $6.7 billion. He died penniless at the age of 37 in an apartment. That was a tough decision. <laughs> it's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chan TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chan TV. Redemption Thursday wagers have been posted on my Twitter account, at Cameron Show, if you need to find those. The physical, some of you asked for the physical. Other games that I like that I didn't touch on... Um, Ohio getting over a touch, uh, over two touchdowns is one um, plus fourteen and a half there. Also, uh, I do like a couple of totals this week. I'll probably sprinkle those in before the end of the show. I think I picked everything else that's actually on the card. Also, could see Iowa State UNLV under fifty eight and a half if that number is still there. I'll have to double check that as well. Um, UNLV can't score and they'll get blown out, but it's not like Iowa State is. Um, an offensive juggernaut. So it's just another one to kind of take a gander at. Just take a little gander at. I love my friends at ISF. I love them partly because they uh, they do good work for people, and I've I've learned of this company as they've uh, as as we formed a partnership. And obviously, um, I always tell you guys, as I do with all of our sponsors, support the people. That helps support us. I like to do business with people who do business with us. And so uh, that that's just stands to reason, right? And um, and so they're, they're in business with us, and we're in business with them, and we, we want to make this a symbiotic thing that works. Um, but I also have to give my, my friends at ISF credit. And coming on board before this season and then seeing this uh, 0-3 start, there they are, rock solid, still here, baby. They're not wavering. Your vision, their expertise, solving for the future, it's all right now. It's, it's happening, and, that, and we need it. Uh, and so if you don't know, ISF is an IT and strategy firm for 40 years. They have served state government and business clients across the nation. So they're a national company located right here in Tallahassee, and they are experts in government processes. They've worked with government agencies across the country. I know you guys want to do amazing things hard workers in state government, you have big visions and goals for the future, and you want to move your agency forward, uh, and you have unique challenges that you have to deal with. It's inherent to government operations. So they got that, 
And uh, I think uh, you ought to you ought to reach out. They've worked in 18 states for state and local agencies, serving millions of citizens, 40 years in the business. So uh, find out more about ISF. You can check them out online. You can certainly also give them a call. You'll see some of the ISF stuff we have there, also visually on the Warchant TV feed. So um, they do. They rely, their clients do, uh, on ISF to advise and protect and advance their business and technology objectives. So uh, if, if that's something that you've been thinking about, something that uh, your office needs uh, help with, ISF is, is where I would tell you to go. Now, the hard part of this, because um, this is solving the future, when we talk about solving the future, and much of today's show has actually been about that, about talking about how do you solve for the future. And the number one, I think, hurdle while you're going through an ugly transformation is patience doesn't exist. It especially doesn't exist if you don't give signals, signs, tangible evidence that you're doing something to expedite the turnaround. You know, if, if, if after the Notre Dame game you pulled the fan base, really, many of the people who follow and cover college football, the overriding sentiment would have been there have been significant improvements made at Florida State already by Mike Norvell and his staff. Now think about that's two games ago. And in a, what feels like, record short period of time, that goodwill and belief was shattered. It all happened on a fateful Saturday night against Jacksonville State where all of it became unraveled and an afterthought. But it was only a couple of games ago. How quickly perceptions change and optimism diminishes if you do not continue to push forward and solve for the future, if you don't continue to show signs of growth, if you don't give people evidence, proof of concept, if you will, that this team, this program, is going to be better by season's end than it currently is. You can't just fall back on the that one game thing. You have to show moving forward unequivocally that things have improved and that this is a program that is worth your investment, worth your time, and and worth um, emotionally investing in as well as financially. And that's really perhaps the most damning thing that has happened these last couple of games is that you have a game that was treated like a glorified scrimmage and it came back to bite you in the ass because of one terrible moment, and then you have a game against Wake Forest, yes, in which you suffered injuries, but the game plan seemed as I've described, scattershot, and you seem panicked and at times ill-prepared. Six turnovers is never a good look. So I need to see this week that evidence of improvement, that investment, that solving for the future is, again, it's not happening and it never does when you're desperate to succeed and you're not succeeding. You know, it's like losing weight. If you're 100 pounds overweight, there's a long way to go. But you got to start with losing 5 pounds, 10 pounds, some realistic goal. 
I don't care if it's walking to the end of the driveway and back 15 times every morning that gets you to that goal. You've got to see something, right, some sort of product. And, and when you look in the mirror, if you're 100 pounds overweight and you lose five, you're really not going to see any difference. You're still a raging fat ass at that point. But five becomes 10, 10 becomes 15, 15 becomes 30, and all of a sudden we begin to see these improvements. And much like that, morbidly obese person that I'm using for this example, Florida State finds itself looking in the mirror, and it's not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight, Matthew. Maybe after the Louisville game, that's our five pounds. Can I get a little, hey, I don't know, maybe a little around the cheeks? (laughs) I'm starting to see a little something around the cheeks. Maybe. I hope. I hope that's what this game ends up representing. Well, I hope, obviously, for a win. But I would like to see something. Again, traction. That's the word of the week. Give me something that shows me a path forward, some damn traction. And a little something around the cheeks. (laughs) Maybe the following week, it's like, hey, not only do I got a little something around the cheeks, check out the bottoms of the arms. Check out the bottoms of the arms. We're doing all right. Soon we'll be looking at belt line. We'll be feeling good. What could that something be, right? What what might it be? Well, Maverick helmets. Stick with the power run game. Throw off of that. Let uh, zero and eight carry it 25 times a piece. Ride or die with it. Kind of what I said uh, at the beginning of the week. I need to see, you know, listen, you don't have many playmakers on the team, period. You're talking about what, what could that be? What does it look like? How does it work? Well, may not work. May not be something that succeeds to the level we want it to, which would involve a lot of points in winning a football game. But it'd be an identity that you're playing towards, and you'd be playing towards your best players on that side of the ball. And he's right. Jay Sean Corbin, Trey Sean Ward, those guys are guys that we know can make plays. Now, are they game-changing running backs? Are they elite in the way that Dalvin Cook was, for example? No, not many people are. But are they... Are they assets? Are they players that are plus players on that side of the – I think the answer is a resounding yes. I think they're, they're good football players. Uh, it helps to have an offensive line, especially if you're a running back. Uh, but, you know, you can't rely on these receivers. We know that. The tight end room is virtually non-existent. Your offensive line and quarterback play is not good. So – Again, I get it. Play off those guys. Build something around those guys. Throw in a few wrinkles from there. Try to establish some form of identity. And Because I also think that ultimately, and this is, this is very frustrating, and it's got to be really, really frustrating for Mike and for Kenny, but here's the deal. Can you be, can you be, if you want it to be, can you be a passing team with an offensive line that looks like this? I don't think so. I don't, I don't, really, I don't think you can be. So I don't think you're. I don't think you have a choice now. Defensively, look, they've been by and large in positions. I mean, our offense gave up the ball six times last week. I have no defense is going to hold people down if you give them that many extra opportunities and they run that many more plays than your team. So I don't. I don't begrudge them last week. This week has to be about that traction. It has to be okay. We found something that we're going to play off of. We'll introduce some wrinkles here and there. I, you know, it's. The bottom line is when you're not the better team, you want to shorten the game. Used to drive me nuts. Now, listen, Jimbo's won a ton of games. Uh, But 
remember, we always we used to get mad. We'd lament. Why do we run the slowest at the slowest pace possible when we have better players? More plays, not less plays when you have better players. That widens the gap. With the more plays that you run, you give these athletes a chance to run, to do what they do. I've got more of them than you do. I'm going to give them more opportunities. But Jimbo would play at the, literally the slowest place, pace in the country. That's why it was all the more amazing that uh, Winston's team broke all those offensive records because they didn't play at pace. Well, fast forward to where we are now, and it's many moons later. No, no, let's shorten the games. Let's, get, let's do that. Let's, less plays, not more plays. And maybe, maybe in the fourth quarter, you're in a game with an opportunity to win because you shrunk the game. You gave them an opportunity, obviously, at this point to be in it because the sheer number of opportunities the opposing team have have been greatly diminished by ball. And it's easier said than done. Ball possession is, is not... Uh, not sustainable if you're incessantly behind the chains and you're three and out. I mean, you got to convert some first downs. You got to possess the football. You got to flip field position and give yourself a fighting chance to do some of these things. But I think it's your best hope at this point. It's Jeff Cabot Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good song. We won't get to, uh, to when it kicks in. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe how many years have gone by since Pete Townsend released this number. Wrapping it up, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio. We'll get to probables here in a minute. Do want to answer something on the um, on the board here. This, you're right, Sam. This is interesting. Um, he writes, uh, without perimeter threats, teams just load up the box, have to have a dude who can run like a running back or pass adequately. Dilemma of almost every team is true. I, I do think in uh, college football you, you need a mobile quarterback unless you really have a guy that can throw it. Unless you really have a guy that can throw it. I mean, um, you know, Jameis was a, a special quarterback. Uh, he, he was a, a pure passer, a drop-back passer. He could thread the needle. He uh, had a great mind. Um, you know, pre-snap reads, checking the right protections, and putting it on guys where they could make plays. Most teams do not have that. And when you don't, you need a guy that can move. The problem Florida State has, it's one of many problems Florida State has, they don't have either. Because everybody tells me, well, you got to run Jordan Travis. You've got to let Jordan Travis thread of the legs give you the extra man, and, and you can run the ball. Well, he can't stay healthy. If he runs and gets hit, he gets hurt, period. There's overwhelming evidence to that end. He's not an elite thrower. And then it does seem to me, and maybe maybe he'll get better the more games he plays, I, I hope, but if you're just looking at this receiving core and you look at this offensive line and their in, inability to block it up and pass pro, plus McKenzie Milton doesn't have a good arm, you you look at the yards per pass attempt, it's dreadful. I mean, I think he's kind of damaged goods at this point. I hate it for him. I hope that he continues to build and get stronger. Maybe maybe I'll be wrong on that, and that'd be great. I, I'm rooting for him. But you you don't have either of what you need. It's, it's, 
uh, it's 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 brutal. It's just brutal. Um, so I, that that is the conundrum they find themselves in as they game plan every week. Is you know how how do how do we do this? And invariably, it comes back to again the the offense line not being any good. So if we would queue it up, and we'll get to. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables. Probables brought to you by North Florida Payroll Services. Thank you, North Florida Payroll Services. Locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFloridaPayroll.com. A couple games already started. White Sox, Indians, Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Savale. That game is 7-2 White Sox. Cardinals, Brewers. That game's underway. Adam Wainwright, Adrian Hauser. 4 to nothing, Milwaukee. Uh, shocking to see Adam Wainwright's 16 and 7 with a 3.05 ERA season. I need to tell you how much I hate the Cardinals. Mm. Uh, the Phillies are four and a half back in the wild card because the Cardinals have won 11 straight. Oh, it's, yeah. Because of course they have. Of course, that's what they do. It's absurd. Dodgers, Rockies, Max Scherzer, Kyle Freeland. We've got the Mariners and the A's. That game is going on currently, and it is... No, it's not going on. It's about to start. About to start, Jeff. You sick Gucci. Chris Bassett goes for the A's. Braves, D-backs, Charlie Morton, and Madison Bumgarner. Giants, Padres, Logan Webb, Hugh Darvish. White Sox, Indians, Game 2, TBD, and Zach Plezak. Nats, Reds, Patrick Corbin, Luis Castillo, Rangers, Orioles, Glenn Otto. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Glenn Otto. I'm Glenn Otto. Orioles will throw Zach Lowther. Pirates, Phillies, Connor Overton and Aaron Nola. Hey, get you some get you some Connor Overton. I hope he enjoys his shutout. Seven-inning seven, seven inning shutout tonight. Well, it'd be his first career win, I think, so that'd be something. Congratulations to him. Congratulations, Overton family, says uh, Director Matthew. Blue Jays, Twins, that's Stephen Matz and Michael Pineda. Astros, Angels, Lance McCullers Jr., Alex Cobb, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Jeff, I'll give you the Washington football team with the points if you want to add some more groceries to those in need and move on from Milton. <laughs> so I can do that? Um, I, I don't uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that's why I went over under. That's why I didn't know, man. The, the NFL slate this week as far as the uh, actual spreads, no, no, no. I'm running for the hills. Whole lot of eights and seven and a halfs, ten and a halfs, bad numbers. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I got to do redemption Thursday. I mean, uh, I got to do wagers with my mother tomorrow. These here, these lines are really quick, just rapid fire. Tonight's game is eight, like you said. The Texans are getting eight from Carolina. Don't want to touch it. Uh, Washington's getting eight against. But I'll tell you what, Tom, just for you, I'll do it. Go ahead. Now you know I did this because it's it's charitable. Give me the Washington football team plus eight. I'll do that. I'll do that. And maybe you'll be the one. You'll be the guy buying the groceries, pal. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of weird numbers. I love grocery shopping. Love it. 
It's one of the few. You know, it's the simple things in life as you get older. Very simple. It's morning coffee in silence. Very special moment. One of the most throughout the day. And then it's weird things like, uh, I don't know, perusing the aisles out of Publix. I think that makes me officially old. Probably. I don't even have to buy anything. There have been days I go in there for something and, and, and I'm like, okay, well, I need to get this. It's something like hey, the wife will say, hey, go grab some bread. Like, oh, cool. I got it. I'll go. Because I'm going to go and listen to my pod. I'm going to do something, you know, whatever I'm listening to at the time, maybe a new album or something. I'll put the, put the earbuds in. I'm like, oh, I'm good to go. Go in here, go over to the bread. And then I, you know, I could just walk right out. Oh, but hey, nay, let's go look at the milk. I did that too. I don't know why. I mean, there's a, there's aisles that I don't even need anything down. I was no. Like, oh, we'll just go down there. I just, go down every see. aisle every yeah. time I go. Yeah. You just never know. What if something special is on sale? I don't need any medicine, <laughs> but I'm gonna but I'm gonna go past the pharmacy. What if there are new medicines that I've not heard about? I do do that. I I will go. Oh, and don't get me started. If you go to produce and oh, I'm there for days. Oh, I like the way they've misted the spinach today. Look at that! Look at those spinach leaves right there. That's well done. I'd like to commend everybody on the setup here. You did good work. It makes me even want to buy that. I don't need it, but look at it—it's glistening. I do. I do that. I do the same with. Um, well, I don't. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of cheese. So, we you know cheese isn't great for you. You shouldn't have it all the time, but it is damn delicious. And so then you go and you look at the cheese. You look at all those cheeses. I could get them all if I wanted. I'm not going to, but look at them. Shredded, blocked, oh, who cares? Yeah. Get a mix. <laughs> good work out of you. Thanks to everybody who listened. I appreciate you. We'll get together tomorrow. Have a good time on a Libations Friday. Don't forget, Greg Tish in the morning. Bert Kreischer's on to, to make picks. So be listening. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.